Thanks for listening to the Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Life Church, visit lifechurchww.com. So, if you're new to Life Church this weekend, uh, we just want you to give you a very warm welcome, whether it be online or whether it be in the room. We are on a spiritual journey. And so, before I open up God's word today, I just want to welcome you on this journey with us. And I want to describe what that journey is that our church is on because our church exists to help anyone who's far from God find life in Jesus. And we believe that God has a plan for everyone's life. That's encouraging to me that you're not a mistake. God has a plan for your life. And so this is, this is our goal and what we believe is God's goal for you. And that is to find the life that you were made for. So that, that's find out that plan that God has for your life. Well, we believe from cover to cover, from the Old Testament to the, to the New, that God says basically four things. This is his plan for your life. So if you've come here today going, I wonder what God's plan for my life is. I'm gonna tell you right now, this is gonna be good stuff for you. Here you go. If you wanna find the life you were made for, here's how we define life in four ways. Here we go. Know God. You can actually know him. Not religion, not head knowledge, but heart knowledge. And so around here, we're kind of a, not really for religion. We're for something called relationship. And we believe that God in all of the Bible, yeah, you can give God praise for relationship. That's what Easter is all about. So from all of the Bible, it's a journey for us to know God. And this is the journey that God is welcoming all of us on. So that's what our church is all about, is that we would start here, that I wanna know you, God. I wanna actually have a relationship with you. But it doesn't stop there. Four ways for us really to find the life that we're made for, know God, and then find freedom. Find freedom from what? I'm free, I live in America, I'm an American. How about find freedom from all the things that have really hindered your life from living the way that God has designed you to live? That might be addiction. That might be uncontrollable sin. That might be whatever the issue might be. Our goal is for you to find freedom from your yesterday so you can see clearly your tomorrow. Know God, find freedom. This is the spiritual journey that we want to invite you along with us on because this is the journey all of us are on. And we do this find freedom in small groups. We meet on the weekend in a large meeting, large meetings like this, but then throughout the week, we meet in homes and coffee shops and outdoors and parks where we get a, in smaller settings, we get to know each other's story and help each other find freedom. And it continues to find the life you're made for, discover purpose. We honestly believe that you will discover purpose in the family of God. And it's here in God's family that we grow up and we discover I'm unique. God made me a certain way. And when you find that out, you will live a life that makes a difference. And in, down deep in everyone's life, they know I gotta live for something beyond myself. And when you do that, you'll find out that making a difference is better than making a dollar. Now you still need to make a dollar, you need to work, but it's, it's, there's living for something beyond ourself. So to find the life you're made for is four simple ways we say it around here. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And we would love to welcome you on that journey with the rest of us. One more announcement before I open up God's word today. And that is next weekend, believe it or not, and I was here at the beginning, so that means I must have been about five years old, but our church is celebrating 25 years as a church in Walla Walla, Washington. I'm telling you what, 
If you've been here, this is your first weekend, or if you've been here for 25 years, you will be inspired by next weekend's uh, services that we have planned. It is, it is, is going to be incredible. I have one of my favorite guest speakers coming, Pastor Dave Patterson from the Father's House in Vacaville, California. We are going to party next weekend. Well, it's Easter. It's Easter Sunday morning, which means that many of you have meal plans. You're thinking, you know, about that one o'clock meal or three o'clock meal. We as a family went over to grandma's house yesterday and had our Easter meal. And so I just wanna, I wanna give you a little heads up about how to have a really successful Easter meal together from someone that I learned that was young, about five years old, by the name of Ernie, all right? So Ernie went over to grandmother's house with his parents for Easter brunch or Easter lunch, I think it was. So they go over to lunch and they start passing out the meals while they're all sitting around the table. Well, Ernie just happens to get his lunch first and just starts digging in straight away. He's like, come on, it's lunch, it's I'm hungry. And his father stops and says, Ernie, listen, we always say grace before our meal. And he says, I don't have to. And mom pipes right in, of course, and says, Ernie, every meal at our house we say grace before we eat. He said, I know, but this is grandma's house and she knows how to cook. <laughs> so, whoever does the cooking, just say grace and be thankful, all right? Have a great, great Easter day. This is the greatest day of history that we celebrate today. Friday was the greatest act when Jesus died on the cross was the greatest day of compassion in the history of mankind. And Sunday morning was the greatest day of power and transformation for all of us. And I want to share with you one of my favorite Easter stories that happened on the very first Easter Sunday. If you're unfamiliar and you're new to church today and you don't know anything about the story, I'm going to give it to you in 15 seconds. Jesus, son of God, came to earth, lived a sinless life. At age 33, he died a criminal's death on a cross. And that was on Friday. On Sunday morning, he rose from the dead, paying the penalty for all of our sins. That might have been 20 seconds, but it was close. Now listen, if it, 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 it's Sunday morning and most people have no idea that Jesus has rose from the dead. And so I want to take a look at a story that involves two men walking away from everything that they know about Jesus in Jerusalem and heading seven miles away, all right? We're gonna look at Luke chapter 24. I'm gonna read a little bit, make some comments, and by the end of the message, we're gonna be through the story. Here we go. So I'm gonna talk out of this, Luke 24. That same day, what day? The first Sunday morning, the day that Jesus rose from the grave. That same day, two of Jesus' followers. Now, this is important to remember as we go on. These two men were followers of Jesus. Remember that. We're walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles. Say seven miles. Seven. All right, they were walking seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. I wanna to talk to you on this subject today, a seven-mile mindset. What their mindset was, was, was determining their conversation. And so I wanna talk about a seven-mile mindset that went on in these two followers of Jesus walking away from where God was last seen. And basically, this is what I want to talk about, directing our lives by redirecting our thoughts. Now, let's go back. They were followers of Jesus, which means this. 
they heard and saw many of Jesus's miracles and his messages. So they had witnessed a friend of Jesus by the name of Lazarus being resurrected from the grave. So they saw that, they, they, they heard that story. They were probably there when there were thousands of hungry people and all there was was one little boy's Chick-fil-A snack pack and Jesus multiplies it and feeds thousands of people. He, they were probably there when they, they heard the amazing story that Jesus told about the prodigal son who gets his inheritance early from his father and goes live, squanders all that inheritance on sinful living. But yet the father had compassion and waited for him to come home and embraced him and kissed him, telling us about the love of God towards all of us sinful humanity. They had heard that. They had heard in, uh, stories about Jesus walking on a stormy sea, calming the waters and commanding the storm to cease. They had seen Jesus cast devils out of people. They had seen him open blind eyes and open deaf ears. They had heard all of this stuff about Jesus and they had so much hope and so much dreams about what Jesus was gonna do for Israel and for them. And then all their hopes were crushed in one week. Early in the week, it was like, yes, come on. It is today, it's gonna happen. And Jesus rides in on a young colt and they're worshiping him and they're going, all hail King Jesus. This is my fourth service, so I can't sing right now, but anyway. <laughs> and they're just singing, all hail King Jesus, all hail King Jesus. And they're like, yes, yes, he's the king. They're excited. By the end of the week, he's betrayed, he's beaten, he's mocked, he's ridiculed, and he's crucified and dies on a cross. They are in shock. This is not the way the story is supposed to go. Let's pick up the story. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? I love this. He's God, he knows everything that's going on and he's asking them questions. They stopped, short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, we'll go by, we'll call him Cleo, Cleopas. Cleo replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. How did he keep a straight face? I have no idea. What things are you guys talking about? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped, past tense, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Now, their conversation was dictated by their mindset. It was their perspective. Jesus has rose from the dead, but they didn't know it. And so that was dictating all that they were talking about. And so I wanna to talk to you about two things, truths about mindsets. How do mindsets affect our life? And then how do we get a mindset turnaround? And we're gonna learn it all from this story. But I want you to see first this first mindset that these two men had and what it, what it does is it determines our experience of life. They had hoped, but they, because they didn't believe that he uh, had rose from the dead, their hope was lost. 
So have you ever hoped for something that didn't turn out the way that you had hoped that it would? Of course you have. We all have. And, you know, if you've lived past first grade, you had a time probably in first or second grade where you wrote a little note. I remember writing a little note, and this is what we used to do back in my day. So this is, you write little notes, you wanted to go out. I had no idea where we were going to go. In fact, when you went out with somebody, you never talked to them again. It was like, you want to go out? <laughs> and it was, it was just one question, will you go out with me? And, and it had uh, three boxes, yes, no, or maybe. So the yes and maybe were still hopeful. It was like, maybe still a possibility. And then she checked no, and you're like crushed. You're like, I hoped that you were gonna go out with me so we could never talk again. <laughs> but I'd be able to say that we're going out. Now, of course, today in day's day, let's modernize it. First graders have cell phones, so they're texting now. It's like, hey, do you wanna go get some coffee at Starbucks? No, I'm allergic to coffee and you. You know, so, like, oh, I'm crushed. So of course, we all hope for things that don't turn out the way that we had wanted them to turn out. We thought we'd be married by 25 or 30, and now I'm pushing 40. Or we thought that I'd be figuring out how to get over this sickness or this disease, and the doctors are still confounded, and they don't know what's wrong or whatever the situation may be. Everyone has a story of hoping for something that didn't turn out the way you wanted it to, at least when you wanted it to. If you know this, if you, don't, if you know anything about God, you, real, you, you realize pretty soon that he works on a different clock. We work on 70, 80, 90 years. He works on something called eternity. And so we're like in a hurry and he doesn't seem like he's ever in a hurry, but, but he still is the person that we can put all our hope in. But it was determining their experience of life. See what they said again? We had hoped he was the Messiah who'd come to rescue Israel. This all happened, look at this, three days ago. Now, if you're not familiar much with Jesus or the Bible, three days is a big deal. Three days is what Jesus talked about before he gave his life for our sins on the cross. He said, by the way, this is gonna happen and in three days, I'll rise from the dead. Prophesied about, talked about, preached about. None of the disciples understood it because it doesn't make sense for somebody to come back from the dead. But these guys had heard Jesus say it and they're still discouraged, and they admit it's Sunday. It's the third day. This was three days ago. Even though they heard Jesus say, I'll be raised up on the third day, they're heading out of town on Sunday. Can't you wait until Monday? Can't you just wait until the whole third day is over? They went home early, which is what a lot of sports fans do when their team is behind in the fourth quarter and they think there's ain't no way for our team to come back. They're ticked at their team. They're mad at the coach for all the calls that they played and they jar heading out of the stadium, which is exactly what happened to my wife when she was at a Seattle Seahawks football game years ago. She was there, but because she doesn't live in Seattle, paid tickets price to get there. It was like, I'm staying for the whole thing. Watch the stadium start to empty. But lo and behold, in the fourth quarter, the miraculous began to happen, which is what the Seattle Seahawks always do. Come on, somebody. They like to know how to come back, which is gonna take a lot of miracles this year. We should stop and pray right now. It's Easter Sunday. Extra power today. Come on, Lord. So she watched people leave, and then she watched the game turn around, and they actually won. So it's like all those people listening on the radio, serves you right, you left early. I... I'm kind of a stressed out sports fan. So when I'm 
in church or there's some reason I can't watch it live and I want to go back and watch the game, I'm just going to tell you right now, if, if you don't want to know what a movie is or how things end, spoiler alert, I'll tell you, I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out before I watch it because I get so stressed. I've probably lost years of my life through just watching sports live. I like, I wait till it's over, see if we won. Oh, we won. Great. Now when we're behind in the game, I don't care. <laughs> Everyone else was stressed out. Everyone else was losing sleep over it. And I'm just like, we're coming back. We get a dub by the end. So it's like, this is all good. How many of you think that if these two men would have just known the end, if they just would have known he's coming back, that they would have stuck around to see the finish and to see that he, he actually did what he said he would do? Come on, somebody. He rose from the dead. Could they not wait? You see, our, our mindsets determine our experience of life. So my question is, are you enjoying your experience of life right now? Is the life that you're living one that you had hoped for? And if it's not, could it possibly be better if I just allowed my mindset to change? If I just allowed God to give me a new perspective? Because what I think about and what I believe is determining my experience of life. So another truth that I want us to see about a mindset from these guys is this, is, is out of Luke 24, 13, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus seven miles, and it wants us to see that they were walking away. They were walking away from Jerusalem. This is the last place God has been seen. This is the last place where the miracles were seen. This, they were going away from where they last saw God. So what do mindsets do to us? They not just determine our experience of life, they determine the direction of our life. They determine where we go in life. They determine our decisions. So if I don't like the direction that my life is going, then maybe I need to think about what is my mindset about life? But one of the things that intrigued me about this story is not only were they walking away from it and they were walking away from it together, but then I began to think, how is it that their mindset changed? Which I began to think, well, if a mindset has that much power to, to affect and to determine how I experience life and to determine the direction of my life, how do I change it? How do I change my mindset? Which, by the way, we don't have time to go in depth about that today, but we're just gonna give a few thoughts about it today that is the beginning step. But over the next several weeks, we're going on a journey. And we're gonna go on a journey to, to talk all about this subject, winning the war in your mind. Because whether you know it or not, the battle for your life experience is one between our two ears. It is winning the war up here. And there's no one like Jesus that can come and invade our world and teach us how to think differently and to navigate through wars and pestilences and pandemics and politics and inflation and job losses and relational breakups and mental breakdowns other than Jesus. We need a new mindset. And he's ready to give it to us. And you say, well, what, what, what kind of mindsets? Well, mindsets about ourselves. Mindsets about ourselves need to be adjusted. Mindsets about life that need a new perspective. And mindsets about God that need to be renewed. And so we're starting that series. We're going to be talking about it for several weeks. I encourage you to be a part of that. 
But these guys went on that journey with Jesus and they had a turnaround. How did Jesus do it? Let's find out together. Seven mile mindset, turnaround. The first thought I want you to see is this. Out of verse 15 and 16. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. I love Jesus. I love that he just walks right into our world when we're discouraged, when we're depressed, when we're disillusioned, when we're divorced, when we're married, when we're on a mountaintop, when we're in a valley, whether, whatever season of life, young and old, he just begins walking with them. This, my friends, is the beauty of knowing God. You see, he wants to walk with you. But, but look at this. This is, this is a mystery that I want to explain a little bit today. God kept them from recognizing him. How can you be on a walk with God and not know it? Their turnaround began like this. Invite Jesus to walk with you. This is why it's such a big deal for us around here that we never talk about inviting you to religion, but inviting you into something called relationship. But you need to know this about the God you're going to have a relationship with. I'm just, I just need you to know this. He likes anonymity. He doesn't need the fanfare. He doesn't need lights swirling around and smoke. He doesn't. He was born as a baby in a small town. Now, I don't know. If we all gathered together and had, you know, convened a meeting and one of us was God, I, I, I'm pretty much sure that none of us in the room would say, hey, we're going to go to the earth and we're going to save humanity. How do you want to do it? None of us would say, well, I want to wear a diaper. <laughs> I wouldn't. I'm God. I ain't wearing a diaper. I'd be like, I'm showing up on a mountain. I'm going to be huge. Lightning's going to be all over. It's going to be the sun's going to be bright on me. Darkness all over the rest of the earth. Somehow, everyone's going to be able to see me around the globe at the same time. And I'm just going to announce, I'm God. And I came to save you. Here's a book. Read it. Pay attention. But God, I just need you to know this about God. He likes anonymity. Comes as a baby. Born as a baby and lives in a small town. And then he's, he's raised up in a carpenter shop until he's 30 years old. Hiding out in a carpenter shop till he's 30. He would heal people, and at times when he'd heal them, he would say this, don't tell anybody. I'm posting it on Instagram. I'm telling you right now. I'm like, there were three healings this weekend. Come. He's like, no, I don't need Instagram. I don't need Facebook. I need your face in my book. Anyway, that's just a preacher thing. Just a little preacher thing. One time he takes a couple of his disciples up on a mountain, and it's called the Mount of Transfiguration, which means is he, his, his figure changed, his, his appearance changed, I mean. And he, he was so bright, you could hardly look at him. It was brighter than the sun. And then he comes back to, like, normal humanity, and he tells them, don't tell anybody. So this is Jesus. He goes, don't tell anybody until after the resurrection. And they're like, whatever that is. They don't even know what that is. But they were sworn to silence because God likes anonymity. When he's resurrected, by the way, on the first, on the, uh, on Easter Sunday morning, listen to this. He got up while it was still dark. 
and snuck out of the grave. I mean, come on. This is a big deal. Wait till it's like sun is up and everyone can see. Roll the stone back yourself. I'm alive. He's like, no, it's dark. I'm gonna hang, I'm gonna leave here while it's dark. And then when he shows himself to a couple of people, they didn't even recognize him because God likes anonymity. And it makes me think, could it be that God has been with you longer and more often than you've realized? He was with these two and God kept them from recognizing him. Could it be that he was working through the counselor in middle school when you would go there every Wednesday and meet with them in seventh grade? Could it be that he was in and working through your college roommate who you asked to keep you accountable, but you decided you didn't like their accountability, and so you got a different roommate? Could it be that they were working through your parents when they asked you the umpteenth time, have you got your homework done yet? And have you vacuumed and done the dishes? Could it be that God was hiding in your neighbor when they invited you to come to church this weekend? Could it be that God is hiding somewhere in this message, attempting to get your attention and let you know, I've been with you a lot longer than you realize? Could it be that he was there when you went to jail? Could it be that he was there when you were in jail? Could it be that he was there when you got out? Could it be that he was there when you didn't learn to ride a bike until you were in your 20s? Could it be that he was there when your family fell apart? Could it be that he was there when you got adopted? Could it be that he was there when you went from one foster home to another foster home? Could it be that he was there when you went to rehab? Could it be that he was there when the judge had mercy? Could it be that he was there then and he is here now and he will be with you for your entire life? life? Could it be? Could it be, my friends, that Jesus is with us far more often than we give him credit for? It's just that he likes anonymity. He doesn't need our applause. He doesn't need the light. He is the light. He just wants real relationship, which means I want, I just, I want to be welcomed. I want you to invite me in. He walked with Cleo and his buddy, and they had no idea. Seven miles, probably over two hours. Probably a two and a half hour journey. Two and a half hours of walking with God and not having a clue. But this is how the mindset began to change for them. Is they invited Jesus to walk with them. Now listen, Jesus showed up. They could have said, listen, we're, we're good by ourselves. We, we don't need you. They, they, he was just a stranger to them. Could it be that Jesus is in some of the strangers you meet every week? And the Bible tells us, don't forget to entertain and to practice hospitality because sometimes you're entertaining angels unbeknownst to you. I just read a story just this week about a man who had been on a journey to learn how to share God's love with people. And he felt like the Lord, he was walking by someone who was homeless, and the Lord said, I don't want you to go tell them about me. 
I just want you to go comb their hair. So he went over and asked him, could I comb your hair? And the gentleman said, of course you could comb my hair. And he began to comb, and he said that as I combed his hair, the amount of love that I felt could not be described in human terms. It could only have come from heaven. The love that I felt. Could it be that God is hiding in places that we miss in everyday life if we would just recognize he likes anonymity? How do I allow Jesus to turn my mindset around, to turn my life around while I invite him to walk with me? And then one more truth today about a seven-mile turnaround comes with this scripture. This time, they were nearing Emmaus. So two and a half hours later, the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on. Again, listen, He's, he, he, I, I'll, 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 I don't need to come in. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to bust my way into your life. You need to know this about God too. He doesn't bust his way into anybody's life. It's like, I, I, he acted as if he was going to go on. But they begged him, now stay the night with us since it's getting late. Now they didn't know they were entertaining God. So he went home with them. Jesus wants to go home with you today. He wants to go home with you today. As they sat down to eat, check this out. This is the end of the story. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it. It's communion. It's like, it had to be this way. The bread represents his body. I had to, I had to die. I know you don't understand some of the things that we go through and experience in this life. But Jesus is letting them know, you're all discouraged about the wrong stuff. You have a, different, you have a wrong mindset about what actually happened. It had to be this way. He broke it and he gave it to them. And look what happened. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. They're like, it's God. And at that moment, he disappeared. I'm like, sneaky Jesus. What's up with that? I finally see that it's you. And you go. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us? What did he do? As he talked. As he talked, Jesus walked with them and Jesus talked with them. Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? My friends, we need the author of the Bible to explain the Bible to us. And that's what he did. And all they had at that time, they didn't have a New Testament. All they had was the Old Testament. And he explained the scriptures to them. And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. A turnaround. 
turnaround. Their mindset was changed because they invited Jesus to walk with them. And they invited Jesus to talk with them. And until Jesus' thoughts start invading and interrupting our thoughts, our lives will keep going in the same wrong direction. But once Jesus starts talking, which by the way is why we need the Bible. We need the Bible. And we're going to talk in depth about this. But the Bible will begin to tell you a new perspective about life, about you, and about God. And that's exactly the areas of the war in our mind. The devil lies to you about you. The devil lies to you about life. He puts way too much emphasis on this life. All the devil wants you to think about is this life. Listen, this is a blurb on the screen of how long you're going to live. And he lies to you about God. So we need God to explain the Bible to us to give us new mindsets. And when he does, we turn around just like Cleo and his buddy. If you are not enjoying the experience of your life or the direction of your life, then it might be that it's time to invite Jesus to walk with you. And it's time to invite Jesus to talk with you. And I want to do that right now. I think he's come into this room and I think he's interrupting our worlds on this Easter Sunday morning and he's saying, what are you thinking about? What's, what kind of conversations has been going on in your head? I would like to reveal myself to you and I'm here to tell you at one encounter with Jesus will change you forever. No one will ever be able to intellectualize me out of knowing the reality of Jesus. Not because I'm smarter than them, just because I've seen him in here. I've never seen him with my natural eyes, but that would pale in comparison to the encounter I've had on the inside. And that is the encounter that Jesus is welcoming you in on. And he, and listen, you know you need a turnaround. You know your life is not going in the direction that you thought or hoped that it would. Jesus is here right now. He's walking up into your world and he's saying, can I come in? Can I, I want to go home with you. And I want to begin to explain the Bible to you. I want to explain life to you in a new way. I want to explain who God really is. He's loving. He's not angry at you. He took out all the anger on himself. Died on a bloody cross so you and I could know him. Not religion, but know him. If you're in this room, and I know you are, or online, and I know you are, and you're not sure if you have a relationship with Jesus, then this is your moment right here and right now. And I'm going to say a prayer, and I want, to, I want everyone that's in the room that's like, Bob, I don't know where my life is heading. I don't know if it's, I'm pretty sure it's not heading in the direction that I hoped it had or would. But I want Jesus to turn it around. I want to invite him to walk into my world and to begin to talk to me. If that's you, then I want you to pray this prayer with me today. And I, please hear me now. Hear the plead of heaven through my heart today. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. And don't underestimate the power of this moment. The power of recognizing that Jesus died for you. The power of recognizing that he rose from the grave to set you free. 
This is your opportunity to encounter him, to say, I'm done with religion, but I'll take the real thing called relationship. And if that's you and you say, Bob, I'm ready for a turnaround. If he'll take me as I am, but not leave me this way, then pray this prayer with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed across this room. Prayer team, stay seated just for a moment, if you will. Nobody moving around. In the quietness and solitude of this moment, you know if God has been hiding in this message for you. This is your time just to recognize he's been here all along. And if that's you and you'd say, Bob, I'm ready to welcome him into my world. I'm ready. If that's you, I want to know between you, me, and heaven. I want to know you're going to pray this prayer with me. I'm not calling you forward, but I do want to catch eyes with you. Will you look up at me right now and just wave so I can catch you? I want to see you. Wave at me right now and let's catch eyes together all across this room. I see you back here and here and here. Come on, I'm, wait until I catch eyes with you. Just keep your hands up just for a moment. I see you here and back there and there and there and here and here and here and here and here and here. I see you. I see you back there and over there. I see you. Come on, just keep your hands up. I see you over here. Wonderful. All across the room. Yes, I see you. Wonderful. So it's the most important decision you'll ever make. There's someone else. There's someone else. I see you. Wonderful. I believe there's somebody else that's in this room right now. You're wrestling. I'm here to tell you that wrestling match is between heaven and hell. I see you. Yes. I see you. He loves you so much you have no idea, but you're going to begin to encounter that love. And here's what I'd like to do. I'd like us all to pray now together. And I, it's not that my prayers are not magical or anything like that. Just mean this from your heart. But all of us repeat after me. Will you do that? Here we go. Dear Lord Jesus, here I come in need of forgiveness. Forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart that I may be born again. I believe that you, Jesus, are the Son of God and rose from the dead. I invite you today to walk with me and talk with me all the days of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted amen. amen. Will you rejoice like heaven rejoices? Come on, will we give Jesus? We love you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Podcast. We want to help you on your journey of finding the life you were made for. Please visit lifechurchww.com to take your next step and connect with us.